0: Hello and welcome to the Ori Clark Audio Quick Guide, a straightforward conversation about a range of topics and issues commonly handled by Ori Clark experts for their clients. My name's Dominic Frisby and joining me on today's episode are two gentlemen who both share the same titles. They are Chartered Accountants, Chartered Tax Advisors and Partners at Ori Clark. They are Andy, Ori and Jeremy Coker. And today's hot topic is EIS, Enterprise Investment Scheme. So, Jeremy, why don't you kick us off? What is an enterprise investment scheme? Thank you. Well, the Enterprise Investment Scheme is a scheme which is
1: designed by the government to help smaller, high risk trading companies to raise finance. It offers a range of tax reliefs to a number of investors who are going to purchase new shares in those companies.
2: Yeah, it's great, to be honest. I mean, it's bonkers that in, in this country, if you can, as an investor, get 30% of your money back, which is, you know... That's quite impressive, really. Plus, there's a whole other release, isn't it? You don't pay tax if you hold it. Yeah, it's a really, really generous relief that really encourages investment. And and venture capital companies can use it. It's called VCT. It's very similar. And it drives our venture capital market, you know, being the, the largest outside of the U.S. and China.
0: And are there certain rules that a company needs to observe? There are quite a few rules that need to be observed. I think I think investors need to be
1: aware that the company has to observe certain rules, not just at the time of investment, but for three years after. And if the company fails to meet the rules, then the investors could lose various, very, very advantageous tax reliefs that Andy was talking about over there.
0: Okay, so it would be no fault of the investor, it would be the fault of the company It not could be either protocols. the
1: investor's fault or the company's fault. Because the, the, the reliefs are so generous as in the rules are very, very strict. So for all intents and purposes, if you want to go down this route, make sure you have like competent chartered tax advisors, (laughs) chartered accountants and lawyers who know what they're doing.
2: But to scare people a little less, unless you're doing something like digging for oil, investing in shares, buying property, if you're doing anything that the rest of us would consider as a you know, a good uh, risky venture, you know, a startup in technology or all these sorts of things. And provided that company isn't too old, you know, roughly speaking, less than seven years, but it's a bit more subtle than that. So it's, it's not too old, it's fairly new, and it's doing something which isn't like buying property or something that really no one needs to encourage investment into, then there's a high likelihood you qualify for it. Um, But as Jerry mentions, you've just got to be mindful of the fact that you have to stay within these rules, is that you can't take the money and then decide you will buy a bit of property. That would scupper the plan. So if you break the rules, what happens? Well, the company has a duty to inform an investor if it believes that it is going to do something which will make it ineligible. I don't believe the investor can stop them unless it had enough shareholding power, Um, but they lose their tax relief. So the primary tax relief is as an individual... I get a third back. There is a more generous version, I think we may talk about, for much smaller amounts of investment that gives you up to a half back. But, you know, I invest, I go to invest some money, I put £50,000 in it, and I'm going to get a third of that back in my tax return, provided I'm paying sufficient tax. Um, That's very generous. Then, if I hold the shares for three years, I will not pay tax when I sell those shares. No capital gains. So, it's capital gains tax free. I can invest in a company. I can invest £100 in a company and it only costs me £70. And then, in three years' time, when I sell my shares, even if they're worth a million, or if I sell my shares in 10 years' time, provided it's at least three years, I pay no capital gains tax. Incredibly encouraging. Then, the third layer is you can take any gain any type of gain from anything, anytime you have made money selling an asset of some kind, And you can roll that gain into your investment. So you could go and sell your property for, you know, sell your third house for a million pounds. And normally you'd have a huge tax bill and you could say, well, bugger that. I'm going to take all the proceeds and I'm going to stick it in this risky company. And then I'm going to get tax relief back and I'm not going to pay capital gains tax. And then in three years time, I won't pay tax on the sale. Although, you could release the original game. Anyway, you get complicated. But they are so generous, these rules.
0: So let's say, so I'll give you an example. My mother has a flat which she bought in South Kensington in, I'm going to say, 1984. So, and I think she bought it for like £30,000 or an extraordinarily low sum. And it must be worth... I don't know, a million and a half or something now, something like that. And so, you know, if she were to sell it, there's an extraordinary capital gains tax to pay. Mm-hmm. And the rent that it yields doesn't justify the current value of the property. If, we, if she was to sell that and then roll it straight away into some kind of EIS venture, she would delay the gain, you delay it, Technically, if you put it into the very the very height,
2: so there's a scheme called SEIS C-D-I-S, which is for up to 150,000. But she would delay the game, and yes, she. So therefore, delay is as good as the truth, or good, good, good as not paying tax. And she she provided she was paying sufficient tax. You know, she invested a million pounds. Say she and 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 in that year or in her previous year or both combined, she had paid 300,000 pounds worth of tax the government's going to give her £300,000 back. A very important rule of EIS is is to get the tax relief. You can't usually invest in your own company. It's called connected. You can't have more than 30% of the shares or your friends and family, you know, as usual with tax. If you're thinking, oh yeah, but you know, I've got this clever idea. It's like, no, they've thought of that. So, you know, you can't start a company and say, oh, I'll invest my own money and get a third back in cash. Doesn't that sound wonderful? No, you can't do that. But that doesn't apply to deferral relief. Deferral relief, you can invest in your own company. So I can make a million pounds. I'm going to pay tax on and say, bugger that, new limited company called Dominic Hilarious Comedy Ventures Limited, invest the whole lot into that, and I delay my gain until I sell that company or otherwise. And that's, that is that is a really commonly misunderstood or, or missed concept that you can roll, roll the gain under EIS. I don't know why people don't do that with all their capital gains.
1: It's a lot of money—one million pounds. (laughs) Yes,
0: you know you have to to risk. In other words,
1: yes, you have to invest in a risky venture. That's step one. As in, essentially, it is um, supposed to be high risk. Like I said, ab initio, because there has to be a risk to capital. You can't just put in a company where there's no risk of losing money. And essentially, if you do that, then you won't get the relief. The revenue will not allow you that relief. So that's the issue. But as long as you, um, as long as you invest in the right kind of company, then like all the reliefs are available. To you, or if it is your company, then at least a deferral deferral relief is available to you. The one thing that um, is also helpful is even if you invest in your risky venture and it all goes to pot you will be able to claim that loss against your income as you mean you have enough income. So you can set off a capital loss against your income. So a capital loss on an EIS investment can actually be set up against your income.
0: So the next sort of paragraph is why should I care, which I think we've covered. We, we care because EIS makes it easy for a company to attract investment. It enables those investments to raise more money and it can make investors very happy. But it's not just a matter of looking at it from the perspective of the investor, but it's looking at it from the perspective of the business owner. So how will it help my business? In many ways, actually, as in, um,
1: basically, if you think about all the investments, as in what being the benefits the investor gets, say the investor is going to invest a million pounds, he knows it's going to cost him £700,000 because he's going to get income tax relief. And so where a company has shares that it values up a million pounds, The investor is not going to be unhappy to pay a million pounds for those shares, which means a canny investor can say, well, those shares are 1.1 million. The investor still may not care because he thinks that at the end of the day, his investment is protected. The truth of the matter is it is a risky investment, but most investors in EIS kind of companies are generally risk takers. And because they are investing in entrepreneurial kinds of businesses, it's a good it's a good thing for them so essentially the investor or the company can raise a bit more invest, uh, money to finance any ventures that it wants to
2: do and that is a really really good thing i think getting people to invest is bloody tricky and so you add together all of the benefits of EIS, particularly deferral relief, and you, and that person with plenty of money in the bank who should really be investing in the economy but isn't—it gives enough of an incentive. They're, their their accountant is sitting there saying, "We could roll this game; we get thirty percent back." It's enough to push people over the edge to say, "All right, bugger it! I'll put the money into the company." You know, and th- you know sometimes tax is a good thing. I mean, Dominic, you talk about this, but you know sometimes taxes can be used for good in terms of changing behaviour. And I think this is something we should really be proud of. It really changes behaviour, that you can really say to that person who's sitting on their 100 million quid, come on already, you know, I'm the accountant sitting advising and saying, you may as well, you know.
0: Yeah, the accountants always take the, the prudent route normally, don't yeah, they? Normally. So the say, yeah, normally. accountants. Yeah, yeah, nudging you.
1: But this is a very good idea that actually should help stimulate the economy because instead of putting your money in static investments, as in it enables you to support people who are ready to take the risks, and the kind of profile of the investor is the kind of guy who made it very early, sold his business, and is just
2: sitting on oodles of cash so he can finance people like himself as in little hymns. The the flip of the coin is that the venture capital trusts use it, so there's basically an almost identical scheme called VCT venture capital trusts, and venture capital companies are generally set up as trusts and we don't need to explain that, but eventually there's a load of individuals who come together to invest. The downside is that if you are not EIS eligible or VCT eligible, the amount of v- venture capitalists or indeed investors who are going to be interested in investing in you is dramatically reduced like by 90%. So it, it, the unfortunate thing is that are some areas of industry, you might be doing something very positive or, or very important, but the nature of your business is not eligible
0: yeah that's unfortunate um so how difficult is it to do as long as the company meets the criteria then it is easy what businesses can
2: i not do it in it's like oil property land accountancy account professional services that's right trading stocks and shares um as certain forms of sort of trading anything where you you're you're buying underlying value you've got to be creating value rather than saying, well, I'm buying a property that's worth a okay, million quid. Okay, just
0: flipping value. And flipping yeah, value. I got you.
2: When you say it's easy, you know, you, there's something called assurance. So you go to the revenue, say, here's all my situations. Can you give me a certificate to say I can do it? It's not actually required. It, to get EIS investment, it is easy as this. You offer someone to invest in your company and you've checked that you're, you aren't doing something ineligible and your business is young enough. They put the money in your bank account. You issue them the shares. That is basically EIS investment. Then what happens is you effectively send off for a certificate, a sync. A couple of two-page form saying I've had an investment. Can I have a certificate? They send you back a certificate. That's it. I mean, people think they have to register anything. Amazingly, you could do this in the same day if you wanted. You could you could give me cash today, Dominic, into a limited company. I could give you the shares, and it's done. What you tend to do is go for advanced assurance because some annoying accountant or somewhere along the line is going to say, "Oh well, if they got assurance, I'd like to see the assurance." No matter how obvious this company is that it qualifies. So. You go for assurance, you write to the revenue, you wait a month, and they say to you, yeah, fine, we think you're eligible. The
1: truth is the investor themselves can also ask the question, as in, have you actually obtained EIS advance Assurance? Because they don't know you from Joe Bloggs, they just know that I can do an EIS investment. So in order to actually attract that investor, when you say, I've got the sheet of paper saying I've gone to the revenue to say my company qualifies for EIS.
0: If it's an English company doing something abroad... Can I still qualify? The key qualification, and very good question, is the top company in the
2: group. The companies can be anywhere in the world, but the top company, the company that is invested in at the top must be a British company or must be an overseas company with a formal permanent establishment. That basically means a proper substantive activity in the UK of that foreign entity in the UK and you need to register the company as what's colloquially known as a branch technically known as a UK establishment so it doesn't need the top company doesn't even need to be british but it needs to have an activity of of a substantive nature in the UK
0: so the next question is when to do it
1: as soon as possible really because it is i mean Ab initio, when when the investment started, as in there, there wasn't any real age requirement for the business. And so because it's such a good thing, most people piled into it. And then the revenue thought, no, it's not really being targeted at like new investment. They want new investment. And so we have effectively a seven-year limit. Essentially, if you think about it then, as in anybody with any company would say, oh, okay, guys, I need some more money to finance, you know, I might as well go for it one of these um, venture capital schemes. So they introduce a time limit such that you can only qualify for EIS if effectively your first sale has been within seven years. And it's a very, very funny rule as in like, you know, even if you're a new company today and you haven't made a first sale, if you were to buy a business that made a first sale more than seven years ago, you sort of, jeopardized your relief, yeah, you know. So, but so it, it is pernickety, but you have you have effectively a seven-year limit, and once you actually do it once within that seven-year limit, there's a possibility of doing it again at a later
2: time. So, essentially, first seven years. From your sale, basically. First commercial sale, you've got seven years to raise an EIS investment. And provided you tell the revenue that you expect to have further follow-on investment and you don't say nothing, they will allow you for the next 20 years to claim EIS investment. And
1: that's another good reason
2: why you go for advanced
1: assurance, because when you go for advanced assurance, you also tell the revenue that, yes, we're starting this, but in the future, we also want to do X. So that it sort of puts in your back
0: pocket the additional time limit. I've got you. So, And there's and it's seven years, but it's 10 years for knowledge companies. Knowledge investment companies, yes.
2: Basically, yeah, you look at the value of the IP, how much you're spending on R&D, and you, you can also look at the qualifications of your staff, how many of them have masters, or... That you, If you can't qualify under the qualifications of staff, which often you can't because computer programmers half the time haven't got lots of nice degrees, sometimes they do, you can also look at the, the, the main source of your income in the future will be the exploitation of IP. But yeah, if you're panicking and thinking, oh, it's year eight, can I qualify? There is perhaps a get out of a 10-year uh, window if you can prove your company is particularly knowledge intensive or R&D intensive. And that's a good thing, another good thing,
1: because as we can see IT and technologically related like investments have actually enabled us to survive this pandemic really mm. you know so to the extent you actually tick boxes that way as in you can actually qualify so i think that's a, another good thing final thing what are what are the things to watch out for we don't like to talk about bad news but the thing is like i said earlier on you need to get your advices and make make sure that you're doing it right because anything could go wrong as in the investors could get something wrong the company could get something wrong and like you just don't want to do something if I put it very simply as, as in sometimes when it goes wrong it's not the end of the world because like I said you have to qualify for the three years but if within that three years a big company comes and buys you out the investor loses, loses his EIS relief but does he mind because you know yes he has some capital gains to pay but he gets a lot of
2: money do you know what I mean so it's not as bad as it could be the key though, is the three years is that just because the The money's in the bank and the the investor's got his certificate and he's put it in his tax return and he's had his money back and he's happy and thinking, I'm good. It's the next three years and the activity of that company. And it can do things like buy a subsidiary doing the wrong kind of thing. Decide that it's going to pivot in a direction which doesn't, is in an ineligible activity, you know? So, almost all companies that take EIS investment, I would say there's moments that you're like, whoa, 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 you know, remember EIS, EIS, you know? So, it does restrain, it does keep the, it forces the company to stay on the track to a great extent that it set out to the revenue when it started. Three years on the straight and narrow, or else, you know? But then it's party
1: time and into property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <then we're... laughs> no no employees, no directors, unless you know you have to meet like specific rules. And you can't get EIS if you already have shares in the company. So
2: EIS requires that the shares that are issued are ordinary shares, don't have any preferential treatment. So it's very important. So the company you invest in hasn't given you any preferential treatment. Now that could be they Took you out for lunch a lot. They gave you some goods and services. That could make you an ineligible EIS investor. But the key one people cock up is that if the shares you have have any preferential basis over the other shareholders, it's not eligible. So you think, oh, that sounds all right. Well, there's a reverse. Is what happens in a company is you have shares and then you give someone lower class shares, so, you know, the the economy shares or, you know, while everyone else has business class, you offer them shares that have less rights. When you do that, and that's probably one of the the most common ways that people cock up their EIS, is that you just made the EIS shares preferential to the now degraded shares and you 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 lose it. So they just about allow you to have ordinary shares so full rights, full right on wind up to capital, full right to a dividend. These are sort of classic share rights. You can remove voting rights for share options, for EMI for instance, but that that's it. So it it you know it's okay there's being other classes that are better, but it is not okay to make one that is worse, so therefore you're better.
0: All right. I think that is the EIS well and truly covered. I'm going to read out the top three pieces of advice in regard to EISs. One is get advance assurance. Two, get someone who knows what they're doing to draft the articles. And three, don't use EIS funds for the wrong things. And that is EIS advice from the point of view of the business rather than the investor. And... Gents, what's the simplest piece of advice people should remember? I repeat it's make the income tax
2: claim or else you lose a viable capital gains tax exemption. You can roll a gain into your own company. EIS deferral relief is a separate, they are all separate little reliefs. So EIS deferral relief is a separate relief. So you can invest in your
0: own company and defer gains. And I'm going to get myself a t-shirt and it's going to say EIS on it because it's so good. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. If you want to find out more about anything we've just been talking about, you can find that information in the resource library section at auriclark.com. Jeremy Coker, Andrew Ori, thank you very much for joining me. And if you can't find what you need, I should say, dear listener, send us an email, contact at oriclark.com, and one of our experts will get back to you and tell you everything you need to know. Until the next episode, goodbye.